Today, we relight the candle of hope. And now, we light the candle for the second Sunday of Advent. This is the candle of peace. As we prepare for the coming of Jesus, we remember that Jesus is our hope and our peace. From the prophet Isaiah who writes, For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then from the Gospel of John, Peace I live, I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Let's pray together. Father God, grant us that we may find peace as we prepare for our Lord's birth. May the divisions in our lives, in, the, in, in family members, and those around us, be peacefully resolved. May there be peace in our cities and countries of our world. Help us to see the paths of peace in our lives, and, when we, and, and then give, us, give to us courage to follow them. Let us remember that you only are the giver of lasting peace. And that you are always with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, Conduit. How are you? Thank you, Bryce and worship team. It's good to see you all this morning. My name is Cameron. I'm one of the pastors here at Conduit. If this is your first time or near your first time, uh, welcome home. We hope that you uh, we hope that you have a good experience with us. Primarily, first and foremost, we hope that you have an experience with with Jesus. We hope that uh, Jesus speaks into your heart and speaks into your life this morning. We hope that the Word of God um, goes down into the deepest depths of every part that you are and begins to transform you through the power of His Holy Spirit. That's our prayer for you. That's our desire for you. That's our, uh, that's our goal and our hope and our prayer. Um, a few housekeeping slash announcements things to get you started for the day. Um, obviously, we're in the, uh, you know, a lot of us, we think of this as the Christmas season, right? It is the, it is the Christmas season, but it's really kind of like the, what we call the Advent season. It's a word that the, uh, that the church uses or the Christian community uses in Advent Advent generally means a time of waiting or a time of preparation. You could say it as a time of coming or expectation where we're, where we're looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. And so in, the, in this Advent season or the Christmas season, you know, the kind of the whole, the whole tradition of the season is that we, we are... We're hearing the story of when Jesus was born, right? Born to Mary and Joseph. There was no room at the inn, right? Born in a manger and the wise men and the shepherds and the angels, right? And, and the, the traditional story that you're, familiar, that you're familiar with, right? But there's this sense of it's, um, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and now He's here, right? And we're also... Um, we're also now, because we live in a space where 
we're celebrating what happened when Jesus first came, right? And putting our putting ourselves back in that place to kind of remember, but we're also in a in a in a season right now of of advent or waiting or expectation for when Jesus will come again, right? Because Jesus came the first time in a manger as a little baby uh, to come and serve and to sacrifice and become right our Lord to offer Himself, right? Offer Himself for us that we might know God fully, right? That we might experience forgiveness, that we might be united with God through faith in Jesus and the indwelling of His Spirit, right? But then coming, coming next is a time where Jesus will come in a much different way, right? Where He will come on the clouds in power, right? Where he, will, where he will come to judge the living and the dead. Where He will come to gather all those who are His sons and daughters to Him for eternity. So we live in kind of this, this tension space, right? Between what Jesus has already done, right? And between what Jesus is doing in the future. How about we, um, how about we take a, just take a minute, a second, all right? And um, either actually physically or even just in your spirit, take a moment to just take a deep breath. Because life can be chaotic. Actually, what I'm finding is that life, that life isn't, can't, like, it's not just life can be chaotic. It seems that life is chaotic. And it doesn't matter how slow of a pace we want to take, or even the circumstances of our life that we try to reduce that chaos and conflict and hecticness, not even just in our schedules, but even, even in our souls, seems to, seems to creep in pretty easily. Right? And so I think it's valuable sometimes to even just have a moment where there's no expectation of you. Okay? There's no... Um, Nothing is required of you now in this moment other than to be. Right? No human doings in the room right now. Just human beings. Where you're going to listen to the Spirit of God. Receive whatever He has to speak to you from His Word. Um, And allow allow Him to minister to you even if you've come in in what you feel maybe like the chaos of your own life or the chaos of your own soul. Okay? It's maybe not a great week for me to have given the conduit kids kids noisemakers. You can hear them downstairs. Everyone who's volunteering in Conduit Kids this morning will be turning in their letter of resignation after today. (laughs) Heavenly Father, in the midst of a world that is chaotic and tries to speak that chaos into our own hearts, Lord, we ask that You would give us Your peace.
We ask, Lord, that um, despite the world's attempts to have strategies for our peace and our relaxation and our um, a simple life, Lord, that, that we instead would look to You, the giver and bringer of all peace. That we would see You as our peace. That we would experience You as our peace. Help us now in these next few moments, Lord, to sit and relax, to hear from You, and to receive from You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so... Um, so here's a pro tip for those of you who, um, men, okay? Not just men, um, but maybe, maybe husbands or, or guys who have girlfriends, alright? Pro tip. Whenever your wife or your girlfriend, or it could be your mom or your sister or whomever, whenever they get really anxious, whenever they're really stressed out, okay? Whenever they're having a really difficult time and they're expressing how tough life is, listen, all you need to do is just say, hey, just relax. (laughs) Okay? Just tell them, right? Hey, calm down. Or when they're like really stressed out and anxiety is super high, All you have to say is, did you try not worrying about it? (laughs) What I have found in 18 years of marriage or so is that 90% of the time, that works 50% of the time. Okay. Um, In reality, right? In reality, uh, when you... When you encounter someone, right, who is obviously at conflict internally, right, or they're stressed, or they're anxious, or their their hearts and their minds and their souls and their lives seem out of control and in in chaos, right, and they're needing some peace, they're need they're needing they're needing a sense of calm. They're needing not just the physical expression of a deep breath, but they're needing the, the soul expression of a deep breath where they, can, where they can let down in a moment. Telling someone to just relax. Just don't worry. Don't, don't, be, so, don't be so anxious. Is actually really, really, really out of touch and bad advice. Right? We all, I think we all, we all internally know, right, that that's not, that's not generally the best practice to address the chaos and the conflict of our lives, right? I went this week on kind of like this internet search of the, I, I, I wanted to see, right, like, okay, what does the, if I were to, if I were a person that was just experiencing all the time internal conflict and chaos and like my the life was just a mess and I had no sense of like or like how do how do how does this end? How do I get through this? What is next for me? I don't know what to do. I'm without hope or without like without a process, without a strategy. So I just Googled I just Googled real simply um, keys to having inner peace. 
right? And this is not what I would generally, um, generally recommend you do, okay? But I, I just want you to, I, I want, let's, let's look at some of what, some, one of, what are these keys or strategies to having internal peace are, right? Uh, spending time in nature. I like to spend time in nature. It is hunting season, right? That seems like a, okay, yeah, I'm going to spend time in nature. Sounds, sounds good. Meditate. Well, I mean, you could take that a lot of different ways. You know, there is, there is, there is good and faithful Christian practices of meditation, right? We're going to meditate on the Word of God, right? Uh, we're going to meditate in the sense where we're going to ask the Spirit of God to silence the noise in the rest of our lives so that we can hear Him speaking to us. Okay, be grateful. I, I, I think we can attach some biblical principles there, right? Yeah, we're going to be we're going to be grateful. We're going to see what we have. Like we're going to thank the Lord for what He's given to us. We're going to cultivate a spirit of gratefulness and graciousness inside, right? We're going to take responsibility for our own actions. Okay, all right. I can I can get behind that too. Maybe some of the internal chaos that we're experiencing is a is a result of um, of some things that we're that we're unwilling to take personal responsibility for. Um, we're not going to let our mistakes define us. Okay, yeah, right. Jesus defines us, right? Uh, God is the one who places value on us. Our mistakes don't. Our past doesn't. Our accomplishments don't. We're going to love ourselves. Okay, well, we're getting a little sketch right now because I don't know. Like, I know that there's not a whole lot to love inside of me, right? Like, the only good thing in me is Jesus, right? So if I'm going to love anything about myself, it's going to be the work of Jesus in me. So ew, maybe not the best strategy here. Uh, we're going to practice acceptance and contentment. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it was on the list, all right? Um, and another key to experiencing peace is that we're going to declutter. Um, of course, right? Of course, because everyone's chaos and conflict in life is just a symptom that you have too much clutter, right? Um, not saying it's not true, but, right? What's the, what's the reality here? Um, <clears throat> there is a way, right? There is a way, or there are several ways or several strategies that the world seeks to address internal conflict, internal chaos, or difficulty in our lives. There is a... There, there, are, there are ways in which the world wants to say, hey, something's wrong internally. You're feeling dysregulated. Things are not, you're, you're off balance or you're off kilter. Here's what you need to do. You need to t spend more time in nature. You just need to declutter a little bit. Now, it should, um, it, now, are, are, are these things inherently wrong? No, they're not inherently wrong, right? Like, I would, I would actually recommend maybe that you, you do some of those things, right? Uh, but are they, are, they the, are they the basis upon which conflict and chaos and internal strife or angst are actually addressed in your life and in my life? And I would say the answer is no. They may come as no surprise, or it may come as a lot of surprise, that what, the, that what the world seeks to give us, right, as the solution or the solution to any and all problems that we have is oftentimes very different than 
the, what, what God actually tries to give us or what God wants to offer us as a solution to the things that we're experiencing or feeling. Uh, again, uh, Bryce read from John chapter 14 this morning where Jesus, him, where Jesus himself spoke on like the, the discontinuity between the strategies of the world, right? And the strategy, I wouldn't even say the strategy, the strategies of the world versus the gift of God. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says to his disciples, now this is right after he has told them all of the horrible circumstances that he's going to experience, right? I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be abandoned, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be unjustly crucified, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be nailed to a cross, I'm going to die. Hey, don't worry, I'm coming back again. They didn't remember that, right? They were mired in this cycle of seeing the circumstances that were about to happen, and they were, they were expressing their absolute, like, no, like, no this cannot happen. We, are not, we can't let this happen. Like it, We're going to do everything that we can to stop this. Whatever negative circumstances, Jesus, you're about to experience, we are going to make sure those negative experiences or those negative circumstances go, go away. Because the only, way to avo- the only way to be at peace, Jesus, is for us to take all of the bad things that are going to happen in life and make sure the bad things don't happen. That's the only way to experience peace. And that is a very worldly response, right? To conflict, to chaos, to angst, right? Bad things and circumstances, negative things, things I don't want to happen are happening internally and externally to my life. So I'm going to take all those circumstances and I'm going to make them go away and then that's going to automatically produce peace within me. And what Jesus says on the flip to that He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, right? So Jesus is already saying, hey, look, God's gift is different than the world's strategy. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That peace was a gift that Jesus was offering And that the peace that Jesus offered was categorically different than what the world was going to offer. See, peace according to the world, when we say, hey, we just need to have peace, right? Peace according to the world is an attempt to relax and find balance by addressing the circumstances of your life. Now, don't mishear me, right? I'm not saying that relaxation is bad, and I'm also not saying that finding balance in your life is a bad thing either. What I'm saying is, is that the primary strategy that the world offers in order for you to find internal peace, right, is to address the circumstances of your life by creating more relaxation and more balance for you. But on the flip side, what we believe and what we believe like that the Scripture teaches on a comprehensive level is that true peace comes from embracing the, the real presence of Jesus with you 
in the midst of your chaotic or conflict-saturated circumstances. That, that peace is not, is not sitting in the comfort of a life that has no chaos or no circumstances that are producing conflict, stress, or, or, or angst in your life. That, that true peace is embracing the gift of Jesus Christ in you, for you, and to you in the midst of or while you're walking through those chaotic or conflict-saturated circumstances. Because listen, it, it points to a way in which peace is attained that is really, really, really important for us to make a distinction for and understand. Listen, we don't find peace. Peace has come to find us. Peace is not something that we pursue through a laundry list of strategies as if it is it is, it is our job and our work and our striving and our struggle to go out and dust off all the circumstances of life so that we can find peace at the bottom of the barrel of everything that's going on in life. Oh, I finally found it. Like it's a toy, right? That puts, that puts all of the work upon us. But, but what is more true is that, is that not us finding peace, but that peace has come to find you and I. Peace is not a strategy. Peace is a person. It's similar to, and I've told this story several times, and I continue to believe it's, um, I continue to believe it's, it's truth because I see it, I see it, I mean, I would say on a weekly basis with my kids, right? And um, man, I tell you what, like, I, I would say it's not true for everyone's life. I would say it's certainly true for my life that parenting, parenting is certainly the crucible upon which Jesus is making me more holy, right? Like, if there's anything that God is using in my life, right? to burn away any impurity, to create any holiness, to develop any increasing trust or faith in Him, it is parenting for sure, right? And every day I learn something, I learn something about myself, and every day I learn something about my kids, and every day I learn something about like, my own relationship with God through my relationship with my, parent, or with my kids and my parents, right? It's like, oh my gosh, like this is the crucible upon which Jesus is creating holiness in me. And so I still see these things as I'm interacting with my kids. And, and those of us who, if you have kids, you, you understand that, that, kids are, um, that kids are irrationally, irrationally, I don't know, they're afraid of the dark. There's a period of time when they're not afraid of the dark, and then they go through a season where they're afraid of the dark. And that's a really long season, and then we grow out of being afraid of the dark, maybe, right? But here's what I, here's what I know. Like, we have kids on opposite sides of our house, right? And if I tell the kids in the, in the, at night, you know, go back to your room or go down to your room, and there are no lights on in the hallway. 
and that side of the house is dark. Right? Um, they, they, will, they will wait outside of my door, when I'm taking my daughter to bed, for instance, they will wait outside of my door for me to walk with them down the dark hallway, right? And so when we grab the hand or when I give the piggyback ride or whatever, um, I don't, like what, she, what my daughter doesn't require of me is that as I'm walking her to her room in the middle of the night that I turn on all the lights, right? So that the darkness goes away, right? She doesn't require that I take away the circumstances that caused her fear or anxiety. Because it doesn't matter anymore the circumstances that caused her fear and anxiety. Her father is with her. Right? There's, there's no longer... The, the presence of her father, the strength of her father, the comfort of her father, in that moment, the, the reality that her father is with her no longer requires her to be afraid of the darkness around her, right? Because in, in my strength in her life, the fears have gone away, right? And, and, and peace is a lot like that. And the dichotomy of peace that the world offers us versus what, the, what, the, um, what, uh, what God offers to us in Jesus is exactly like that. The world wants us to just take a flashlight down the dark hallway, right? But what God says is, like, God says, no, no, Jesus, Jesus walks with you. Jesus is with you. Jesus is giving you the proverbial piggyback ride in the midst of the conflict and chaos of your life and your heart. And when he is with you, there is nothing to fear. See, God doesn't give us six strategies to find peace or whatever it is because we can't find peace. Peace comes to find us. But what Jesus says in John chapter 14 and later in John chapter 16 is that peace is not a strategy, that peace is a person, that peace is offered to us in the presence of Jesus in our lives. John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things, this is the words of Jesus, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. This is right at the, right at the, right at the end of his life. He was saying this to his disciples. In me you may have peace. I think it's important, or, or what I think is important in this conversation is to help, um, help us to connect. Help us to connect why it is the presence of Jesus or why we talk about peace as the presence of Jesus um, in, even in the midst of conflict and chaos, um, especially in like the Advent or the Christmas season, and to and to do that, um, we have to have we have to have what um, what I'll just call kind of a a a, a ground level base, um, kind of st- strong foundation of theology that understands what were what actually happens in the midst of the. Christmas season or what actually happened in the Christmas season. Because 
the obvious question, well, maybe a not so obvious question, a, a question that I asked is like, um, where, did, <laughs> where did the chaos of my life begin? Like if I'm, if I'm a person that says, yeah, like I, I, I need a little bit of peace. I need some, like, yeah, there is, I am feeling dysregulated in life. I am feeling chaotic. My mind is like a mess. My heart is a mess. My life is a mess. My emotions are a mess. I need the peace of God. I need a sense of God's comfort. Where did all of that mess originate from? Where did it come from? Right? Because talking a little bit about its origin helps us to understand why it is that we don't need six strategies and why right, receiving the presence of Jesus Christ in our life is actually the thing that brings peace in the midst of chaos. See, because everything, this is what the Bible teaches, right? What we believe as Christian people is that everything, everything that causes a lack of peace in my life, everything that causes a lack of peace in all of creation, came ultimately as the result of the fall or as the result of sin. We can go all the way back into Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, right? Where we see that God's, God's creation is expressing all of the goodness that He desired it to be, right? He created and it was good, and 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 He created and it was very, very good, Right? And up until Genesis chapter 3, where the fall, the Genesis 2 and 3, where uh, we see the heading in our scripture says the fall of man. And we, we all generally know, or maybe you know, or maybe you don't know the story, right? Where, where Adam and Eve um, tempted into trusting in their, trusting in themselves, right? Deceived away from, from, from believing and trusting in the, in the Word of God, their Creator to Him, hey, you don't, need, you don't need anything but Me. I'm giving you all of this, right? Um, they, they ate of the fruit, right? And, and they, they, they did, as, they did as, as God had told them not to. They, they entrusted their own understanding rather than His. They, they followed their own way other than His. They chose their own desires for their lives other than God's desires in their life. And then we see just like this waterfall of consequences that fell over all of creation and that even fell over them internally. All right? What was the, the first response of Adam and Eve the moment that they turned proverbially and actually their back on God? They ate of the fruit, right? And then they looked at each other Genesis says, and they realized that they were naked, right? And, it, and what is so, what is so, um, I don't want to say interesting, but what is so um, uh, appropriate about that moment is that the word says, and they experienced shame. They experienced shame. It was in that moment, that very moment, right? That, that all that God had created and done in them was broken because of sin and shame was magnified internally because of their 
turning their backs on God. Harmony between Creator and creation was broken. Internal fear and shame, secrecy bubbled up, right? They ran away. They hid themselves. They tried to, they tried to hide from the one that created them, the one that created all good things, right? And then God had to come look for them in the garden. Where are you? Where are you? And they yell from behind the bushes. We were, we, we ate the apple and then we, we realized we were naked and we were, he says, who told you that? And so in a, in a like absolutely like mind-blowing moment of foreshadowing in Genesis, right? Um, we see this picture of God seeing a ram who was caught in a thicket, right? And in the midst of Adam and Eve standing there in their shame, standing there in their, in their pain, now standing there in their new brokenness, God, God took an animal, and it doesn't say, right, that the animal was dead or that he killed it or sacrificed it, but the animal was alive and then cut, next scene, Adam and Eve are wearing his skin, Right? You put two and two, one plus one equals two, right? So God sees the ram in the thicket. He sacrifices it. He uses the skin, right, to cover up their nakedness, right? In that moment, right, God recognized the thing that was causing shame, that was causing pain, their nakedness in that moment. And as a first response, he made the effort to cover their shame by sacrificing one of his own creation. God's first response in the midst of this internal like brokenness that Adam and Eve expressed was for him to make, make the pathway to cover their shame, to cover it over, to make a sacrifice to make sure that they, that they were taken care of, right? God foreshadowed what was to come in the sacrifice of the animal to cover up their shame. And so when we come now into the Advent season and into the Christmas season, we, we kind of like, okay, if we can keep that story and that reality kind of like in the background of our minds and the background of our hearts, we begin to see, like, okay, well, what is happening in the Christmas story? For generations and generations and generations and generations, the Israelite people, the people of God, were awaiting God's deliverance and awaiting God's deliverance and awaiting His freedom and awaiting a king and awaiting a savior and awaiting a Messiah and awaiting uh, an anointed one. And they were waiting and they were waiting and they were waiting and they were waiting. And then Isaiah, right? The prophet Isaiah, who was... Um, almost always the chief guy who was like, hey, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, right? Was making these proclamations that God, God was going to show back up, right? And from the passage that Bryce read this morning, we'll read it again, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince 
of peace. Of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So, listen. Christmas, right? Christmas is the moment, or Advent, I should say. Advent is a time to recognize that Jesus came into the chaos of life, into the chaos of a broken world, into the chaos and conflict of our own souls so that He Himself would be the peace that the world lacked. That the, that the very celebration of Christmas is the celebration that God was not that God was not satisfied with standing far off from the brokenness of the world and just proclaiming a few um, here's a few strategies to get your crap straightened out, guys. But that but that God saw it fit to to come down from the throne of heaven to in, inhabit in human flesh, right? And to become our Messiah and Lord incarnated into our lives to join us in the brokenness and chaos of the world so that we would not walk alone. So that we would not be by ourselves. So that we would not be just left with, hey, here's a few strategies to get yourself all straightened out and all right, when you get there, let me know. No, but that, but that Jesus came to walk with us. We experience peace. The comforting presence of Jesus in the midst of conflict and chaos. When we embrace the One that came to bring us peace. We will experience peace when we, when we embrace the One that came to give us peace. This is important. I want you to hear this and understand, right? Because um, <coughs> this is a kind of a, a universal experience that we all, I think, generally um, have like blips of this in the various seasons of our walk with God in our walk with Jesus is like well well I'm a Christian and I and I trust in Jesus um, but my but I, I'm not I'm not experiencing any peace or or life is still in chaos or life is still like I'm still there's still internal conflict or there's there's I I I don't feel like what what God has been what God has offered is really a, addressing the chaos of my own mind and I want to say this. Um, I want to say this rather gently, pastorally, but also with a with a firm confidence that this is um, that I believe that this is true. All right, is that we cannot and we will not experience the fullness of who Jesus is and what He offers by merely sprinkling Him on top of all the other mechanisms of change in our lives. 
We cannot and will not experience the fullness of who Jesus is and what He offers by merely sprinkling Him on top of all the other mechanisms of change in our lives. Let's have a little bit of Jesus here and a little bit of Jesus there and a little bit of Jesus here, right? Still holding on to this thing, right? I'm still holding on to this strategy and I'm still holding on to this strategy and and I'll and on top of all those other things, I'll go to church. And if I go to church, that should kind of fill in the like the other gaps of my life, right? That should be like the that should be like the sand that goes in the container full of the little marbles, right? And that fills fills all the little gaps and it'll it'll bring it'll bring fullness and I'll finally experience sprinkling a little Jesus on top of all the other things in life that I'm seeking to bring help me to bring peace and fulfillment and the absence of conflict and chaos and the strategies for better time management and decluttering and I'm spending time in nature so I'm just really connected with all that it is that God has to offer listen you cannot and you will not experience the fullness of who Jesus is and what he offers by merely sprinkling him on top of all the other mechanisms of change in your life. Peace is a byproduct of the fullness of the Spirit of God in every inch of your body, right? The word is very clear that peace is not something that's an addendum to the rest of our spiritual life, that it is a fruit of the Spirit of God living in you. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That it comes as a byproduct of God's Spirit so fully indwelled in who you are that nothing but it can overflow from your life. Right? And when we, and when we fully embrace the work of Jesus in our life, not sprinkle him, sprinkle him on the top of all the other mechanisms that we're using to make life make sense, Right? But when we're fully embracing His presence in our life, when we're fully embracing the work that He wants to do in His life, we're, we're, we're actually allowing Him to change our minds, to change our affections, to, to transform our hearts, to w- help us walk in a different direction in our life, then what Paul says is that we experience a peace that passes all understanding. You know what that means? It means that it doesn't make sense to the world. Right? Why are you... I see the chaos of life. I see the chaoticness of your heart and even your, even your like the circumstances of your life. But you seem to be walking in a peace and a confidence that is really, really odd for what's going on. Exactly. I have the peace of God which passes all understanding. It makes no sense. It lies outside of the realm of understanding. It lies outside of the realm of having any bit of explanation. And what that type of peace does in Philippians chapter 4, I don't know if I have it up on the screen for you, but don't worry, I'll read it for you. Philippians chapter 4, right? And the peace of God... Do not let your hearts be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Listen. And the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding. Makes no sense. Why are you living with such peace? I don't get it. Right? Transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My life looks like X. My circumstances look like X. But my countenance and my spirit and my heart are Y. Because in Jesus, His peace, His comfort, His presence is guarding my mind, is guarding my heart, right? I've, my, my, my mind has been changed. My heart has been changed. I'm, I'm no longer living with my, with my circumstances as the foundation upon which I walk in life, but I'm living through the comfort of God through Jesus Christ that lives in me. Peace is a byproduct of the Spirit of God living in you. Of, a fru- of the fruit of the life that has fully embraced Jesus as the Savior, as the answer to all things. Christmas, or Advent, is the opportunity for us to see, right, that the reality of peace is that is that God did not stand far off from chaos. God did not stand far off from conflict, right? How about this? When your heart is broken, when your maybe when your mind is anxious, when your when your relationships are in turmoil, when your, when your future is uncertain, when you don't know the way forward or what to do next, Jesus wants to come near to you. Your hurt does not scare Jesus. Your brokenness does not make him run away. Your pain is not something that he's uncomfortable with. He is not mad, ashamed, or angry with you because you are scared or anxious or depressed or addicted. It is actually those specific dynamics of your life and mine that Jesus came for. He was like, game on. Right? The Spirit of the living God is like a magnet into the life of all that is broken. Right? of all that needs saved, of all that needs mended, of all that needs made new and whole and be given hope and peace and joy and life again. God does not bind Himself to the hearts of those that have everything in life figured out and I need nothing, right? But to the hearts of those 
who in humility and surrender say, Lord, I am broken. I am in need of your presence. My life is a mess. Jesus, come to me in these moments. Walk with me. Live inside of me. I believe that you are the answer for me. It is in those moments that Jesus comes rushing in. And it is in those moments that you begin to receive a peace that passes and transcends all understanding, not and not a second before. Every other attempt, every other attempt may provide you with some temporary relief from like the angst of your circumstances, but it will not provide you with the internal peace that only Jesus can bring because peace is from Him. He is peace. Peace is not a strategy. Let us spend, uh, let's spend a few moments here in prayer. Uh, we'll invite the team to come up, the worship team to come back up. And uh, like we started here at the beginning, I want you to take a moment to either physically and actually take a deep breath or just internally, right? You say there's... No expectation this morning, right? The Bills don't play today. You ain't got to get home for nothing, right? You ain't got to get home for anything. But to take a few moments to breathe. Heavenly Father, I'm asking that Your Spirit would hover, hover above the people in this room, Lord and rest upon those whose hearts, whose minds, whose spirits are in a state of chaos. Lord, we're not always good at being a people who say, who, who honestly speak about the, like our, our, how we're feeling internally. We may put on a smile. We may, um, we may tell everyone we, we're doing great or we had a great week or that things are okay. But Lord, the, we know that you see, you see deeply, deeply into us and you know us Lord you know our frame the word says you you see our coming and our going nothing in us is hidden from your sight Lord so Lord I pray that you would bring to the surface right now the things that are actually true about how we're feeling the things that are actually true about the circumstances of our relationship, our home, maybe the things that we're talking about, uh, the things that we're thinking about, the circumstances of our lives, that you would bring them to the surface, Lord, so that we could hold them in our hands right now. 
And with open hands and humble hearts, Lord, we ask that You um, that you would come and help us to hold these things. Maybe that you would put your arm around us in the midst of us walking down that proverbial dark hallway where we don't know what we're going to find or we don't know what we're going to see or we don't know what is behind the next corner, Lord. But, but none of it matters, Father, because we are comforted by the presence of Jesus that is with us. Lord, I pray that you would come to each one of us in the midst of our own circumstances, in the midst of our own lives. Lord, and that you would call us to yourself, Jesus. If we have yet to, if we have yet to surrender all that we are and all that we have and who we are, Lord, if we have yet to surrender our hearts to you as our Lord, as our Savior, Father, would you invite us into the place now where we can do that? Would you speak to us and let us know, Lord? That you, that you desire for us to be at peace. To be at peace with our Heavenly Father. To be at peace in our relationships. To be at peace internally. To be at peace in our own thoughts or feelings. Lord, that you desire to offer us yourself which will bring us peace. Lord, and that we would receive you this morning we would receive the gift of Jesus that is being offered to us. Lord, we pray that as we uh, continue to sing, that you would move on hearts, Lord, that you would move on our minds, that you would call us into faith. In Jesus' name, amen. May the love of God the peace of Jesus Christ and the comfort and fellowship of the Holy Spirit bless you, guide you, protect you, and direct you. As you go about saying no to the strategies of the world and yes to the gift of God in Jesus Christ for your life, be at peace. Conduit, you are loved. Have a great week. Thank you.